We are one day away from the NFL draft. And by the time you guys will be hearing this, we will be the day of on Thursday, April 29th, 2021, years after zero, as Pat McAfee would like to say. My name is Brandon Carroll alongside Matt McConnell, and this is Sunshine State Takes. I know it's been a while since you guys have been able to hear our voices. We've been busy with, you know, finals, work, etc. However, we're back just in time for one of the most monumental draft periods we've had in a while because of the unpredictability that it's brought, uh, both in, you know, the pre-draft process as well as on actual draft night. So, Matt, I'm glad to be back. How about you? Yeah, and something that I'm really glad about is Roger Goodell's been fully vaccinated, so he's allowed to bro-hug the guys at the draft now, <laughs> which is just a, you know, just a huge showing of progress since the start of COVID Definitely. rather than him sitting in his his basement calling off the picks that way, which was interesting for sure. But, uh, you know, it'll be good to have the draft as, you know, per somewhat usual. And as for how I'm doing, I'm hanging in there. You know, uh, we haven't been able to get the show in for a bit and uh, rightfully so. There's just been one thing after another, a lot of things popping up, a lot of having to reschedule and then a lot of other things popping up on the rescheduled date in uh you know, with the draft coming in, it, it we had to prioritize it. We set a date, and here we are. We stuck to it. We did it. After finals, after being sick, after work, we are finally getting an episode in. So I couldn't be happier. I, I, I agree. It's been, you know, we tried to go with the top five by position. Just didn't work out. We got quarterbacks in, and then from there, it just fell off the rails. We haven't actually had a – I don't think we've had one single show since we did our quarterback episode. I think it was our last one, yeah. So we have been away for a while. I think it's at least two weeks. It, it's been. It, it might be three. Might, yeah, it might be. Even I don't three. even know if we've gotten an episode in in April. Oh wow! So yeah, it's been it's know. been a while, but we are back. We are better than ever, and we are ready to get in to this year's predictive Sunshine State takes mock draft. Second edition. Second edition. So here we are back at Sunshine State Takes after a long hiatus and probably one of the longer breaks we've taken since uh, COVID chimed in and we were off for like a month or something then. Uh, you know, it's not very often that we get sidelined like this, but two college sophomores having to deal with finals week and, you know, the trials and tribulations of school and just life in general and 
Uh, you know, the podcast had to get sidelined for a little bit, but the draft is very important and it's one of the most talked about events in sports and it's really the prime NFL event of the off season. Absolutely. And the NFL is one of the most talked about topics on our show. So we got to cover it. It's a must. And here we are sticking to it. Like we said, prior to the intro, it's going to be good. We're going to give a little mock draft. Um, you know, we have a f- little fun system we've set up for how we're going to do it. So uh, there will be some strategy involved and, you know, hopefully some fun and some humor thrown in there as well. Just, you know, two guys having a good time, you know, <laughs> predicting this, what's going to be a pretty unpredictable draft to begin with. I mean, you're yeah. going to have, spoiler alert, Trevor Lawrence going number one. I know, yes. right? I can't believe I just spoiled it. Uh, you're going to have Zach Wilson probably going number two. And then you got this report coming out that the Niners have it narrowed down, but you don't really know. So after picks one and two, it's really just going to be an avalanche of wows and what the heck just happened. And I wasn't expecting that. So this is going to be an awesome draft, but before we get into it, per usual, never going to change as long as this show is here. What's on your mind? Well, obviously the draft is on my mind, but just, uh, you know, we have a, a, a situation brewing in Jacksonville. All right. You know, there's, there's Trevor Lawrence. He's making his way into a city that has been longing for a franchise quarterback for quite some time. Uh, you know, they, they've endured some of the most tumultuous times uh, of, of NFL franchises. I mean, you, you look at some of the picks that have been made in the first round for the Jacksonville Jaguars at the quarterback position, Blaine Gabbert, uh, they, they had to endure him. And then as long as we, we look at Blake Bortles, just some struggling quarterbacks yeah. that have made their way into Jacksonville. And now finally, as a Jaguars fan, I know I've said this, this has probably been my what's on my mind before, but the tides are beginning to turn for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're looking at a situation where Trevor Lawrence, the presumptive number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft class, the best candidates coming out of the college ranks as a you know, a draft prospect in general since Andrew Luck in 2012. Yeah, absolutely. Is heading to Jacksonville to be coached by none other than Urban Meyer and the staff that he has assembled there. And uh, what's really on my mind um, is I watched a video last week. Um, it's part of the Jaguars series, The Hunt. And it's just the uh, kind of a look through of the new regime in Jacksonville. It's, it's an overview of what they are trying to accomplish. The, yeah. you know, they started out with just the hiring of Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke and everything that's occurring there. And then this past time they went into free agency. And I know it's a bit of old news because we haven't been on for so long, but I've wanted to talk about it. I've wanted to kind of, you know, give my thoughts on it. And I think what the one thing that I've been able to take away is that Urban Meyer is an electric human being. Everything that he says is gold. The yeah. thing that I like the most about him is his, his, uh, ability to hold players accountable in terms of he doesn't expect anything from the players that he won't give himself. He expects right. that his whole thing is a plus two mentality. Uh, if he asks you to get 10 reps in the weight room, he wants you to get 12. If he asks you, you know, to play th- through the whistle, you play two seconds past the whistle instead of, you know, you, you continue doing things above and beyond his expectations. So, yeah. because if everyone's playing to that height, if everyone's giving their best, all 53 players on the team are giving what they, all they can give, they will win more games than lose. And that'll ultimately be the next step that Jacksonville is willing to take or, you know, looking to take as the new regime steps in. And I think because of that, the energy, the communication between players and coaches and just the overall vibe, just vibe of the Jacksonville Jaguars organization right now is looking 
more bright and you know it is it is better than ever for the Jaguars and if they can capitalize on this draft you know use the pieces that they got in free agency and just have all 53 players embrace that mentality that Urban Meyer is trying to instill within the franchise we could see Jacksonville winning and winning soon yeah and I actually haven't seen any of that series so that's cool that you mentioned that that's some that's some really good insight there. And once again, the reason I think Urban Meyer in Jacksonville more so than anywhere else has a shot to work is the youth of the roster Yeah, and how they need a leader. You know, you need a proven winner who's been there before and knows the ins and outs of the game and uh, a regime that the players can really buy into. And I think Urban Meyer provides that for the Jaguars. And I think when Lawrence's name gets called tomorrow night, that's really going to be the first – it's going to really be the introduction of the Urban Meyer Jaguars to the NFL world. You have this high-class NFL quarterback prospect walking the stage, repping the teal and black, and that's when fans of the NFL are going to start to sit back and say, wow, this is really happening. You know, One of the all-time great college coaches making the jump over the NFL, and right away he's got his quarterback. And from there, there's going to be anticipation for off-season workouts and, uh, you know, sooner than later, Jags fans are just going to be fiending for that preseason and ready to see it in action. And it's, you know, it's hard not to be excited for it. Um, You know, we had that whole conversation, you know, the Urban Meyer hiring in the Francisco Lindor trade for the Mets kind of happened right around the same time. And I remember on one of our episodes, we both kind of just got to share how it feels for some of our favorite teams to make franchise altering moves and I understood the wait you know after the Lindor trade happened there was still about three four months of waiting before the season started and the anticipation really built up uh coming into MLB opening day and I understand how that's going to feel for Jaguars fans you know with Trevor Lawrence coming in they're going to be eager for that week one kickoff and uh the schedule release is coming up soon so uh you know after the draft schedule release come around, then we'll have an even better idea of kind of what the schedule is going to look like, where they're going to have to go, what the winnable games are. And, you know, we'll really start to be able to piece those predictions together. Yeah. Um, But yeah, once again, I I haven't seen that series at all. So I thought that was some really good insight you provided there. Yeah. Uh, As for what's on my mind, unless you have anything else you want to add. Uh, One thing I do want to say is that the, they kind of mentioned how, or Trent Baalke did in a separate, not in that, uh, the Hunt series, but in a separate interview this past week um, about the fact that they came in with the understanding that Trevor Lawrence was the guy. However, they wanted to do their due diligence. They checked out, you know, everyone from Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and even Zach Wilson to make sure that they were making the right decision. And the whole thing that this uh, draft class or this Jaguars franchise for this draft class has brought is do they check all the boxes? Trevor Lawrence checks all the boxes. I think the number one thing that he checks is being a leader and being a winner. And both of those things are things that Urban Meyer is. He's a leader and he's a winner. Yeah. So, I mean, you're getting a guy that's 34 and two at the college ranks. Uh, One is a national championship loss to arguably the best team to ever step foot on a college football field in LSU in 2019. And then you're Mm -hmm. also looking at an Ohio state team that was just on fire this past season in the college football playoff. So both are postseason losses. He has never lost a regular season game while at Clemson. And the same thing carries over to high school. He has been a winner from start to finish. And he looks to continue that success in the NFL with another guy who has been a winner, no matter where he's, where he's went. So. Yeah. And I, I just think it's cool because my first memory of Trevor Lawrence will always be that 
uh, Cartersville game against yeah. Bartram on yeah. ESPN. And I was really more so watching that because, you know, one of the teams playing and it is 10 minutes down the road from where yeah. I live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the star of the show ended up being Trevor Lawrence, who just made some absolutely insane plays. And I, I we've probably talked about this on the show before. If not, I've talked about it somewhere with someone. Yeah. And it was one of those things where you're sitting there watching. And it's like, this guy is going to be in the NFL one day. He's- and here, here we are. That was 2017. That was actually the same night of the Mayweather-McGregor fight. I remember it vividly. Here we are, April 28, 2021, discussing Trevor Lawrence, yep. about to be selected number one overall by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So funny how time flies. It's yep. it's one of those crazy things. It's he's, crazy how it works. He's been that presumptive number one overall draft pick since coming yeah. out of high school. Like, I've seen a lot of the time we see players like this kind of they, they tail off because they can't uphold they can't you know remain at the expectations of the hype Trevor Lawrence has consistently remained that guy he's remained the guy and it, it hasn't it hasn't really wavered since he's gotten into college I don't think there's been really been one point where people have really taken a step back and said he's not the number one overall draft pick in this class obviously you have some of the people that are like oh like Zach Wilson should get number one but it, it in terms of the overall consensus, Trevor Lawrence has been the guy in the 2021 draft class since he stepped foot onto campus, not even on the field yeah. at Clemson. Yeah, it's going to be insane. Um, well, anyways, to get into what I have to say, because and we're going to keep it on the Jacksonville page somewhat, and I actually want to backtrack. You mentioned Blaine Gabbert earlier talking about some of the failed draft picks by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, Blaine Gabbert made his return to town on Saturday night. He did. He, he was with his guys, Tom, Tom Brady and Mike Evans. They sat front row in the VIP section at UFC 261, the first full-capacity crowd event in the country since COVID. Yeah. And it was insane. The atmosphere was incredible. Uh, I got to witness that live, and I was just in shock. The whole event from when I got there around like eight o'clock to when we left around one in the morning, the entire thing was just a wow event. Yeah. I mean, there was not one moment where you weren't just blown away by what was around you and what was occurring in the ring. I mean, the fights were phenomenal. Uh, prayers up to Chris Weidman. Yes. Indeed. Of course. Indeed. Uh, that was just brutal. Probably by far the most brutal thing of the night. You never want to see that. But the fights were electric. There was upsets. There was knockouts. There was everything. And there was the crowd. And, oh, the crowd was just awesome, man. (laughs) I I was talking to someone earlier today. And, you know, one of the things that when you find yourself back in a full capacity crowd that you missed, that you didn't realize you missed, was just talking to the people around you that you've never met before in your (laughs) life. And there were so many people around me that were like, discussing like the, you know people live betting the event and you know people just having a good time and you know we're high-fiving each other after the fight and just like screaming and stuff and it's just like man like this is awesome like I forgot how much I missed this and you think about like the limited capacity Jaguar game where you're kind of condensed into your pod and you're being yeah. policed heavily by the people like put your mask on put your mask on there was there was like there was like and this is a an, an exaggeration but there was like 10 masks being yeah. worn in that arena I mean no one because that's not what it was about it wasn't about policing and locking us down and making us follow this this the standards this was about getting people together 
This was about repaying the city of Jacksonville for hosting UFC back in May 2020. Yeah. Uh, and this was about bringing people together for a good time and putting on a good show. And I thought Dana White did a really good job of that. And, you know, he hit all those points in the press conference talking about kind of what his experience was like with the city and, you know, with DeSantis and, you know, the management team of Jacksonville, like the sports complex getting the whole event together. And uh, he had nothing but praise for them and how the whole thing got worked out. And it, it was, it was a, it was a great event. It was probably, and I've been to a lot of really insane sporting events in my life. I mean, I've been to world series games. I've been to AFC championships. I've been to, uh, you know, BC or new year six bowl games. Like, I don't think I've been to anything crazier than that on Saturday night, just yeah. given the circumstances and, you know, what the occasion was and just seeing the crowd back for the first time. I mean, it was, it was absolutely incredible. So yeah. I wanted to touch on that and the experience because, you know, and the coolest part about it is Jacksonville is on the map on Saturday yeah. night. I mean, everyone was looking at Jacksonville yeah. and I thought the coolest thing was like seeing the pictures on sports center and stuff and ESPN on Twitter. Like that's by star veterans Memorial arena. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like let's go. That's what I'm talking about. So that was really cool. Um, Definitely. the publicity and, uh, all, you know, all the, all the celebrities that were there, it was, it was a great time. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I, I don't think you really could have asked for a better card in terms of just consistent action all night long. Mm -hmm. There was no, there was no doles. I don't think, no. uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Chris Weidman with the just awful leg injury. Um, that, that's his, did I say his name right? Did I, did I, I think so. Right. Yeah. I didn't, you couldn't really hear the introductions at the fight with gotcha. all the screaming gotcha. and stuff. So if, if I got it wrong, that's on me. And so, if I caused yeah. you to get it wrong, that's also on me. <laughs> but um, I but, think so. Gotcha. So the crazy thing to me is, is from that situation, which I won't touch on everything overall, because we, no. we got a, we got a mock draft to get into. However, the crazy thing about this is, is Anderson Silva, who has probably one of yes. the worst leg breaks of all time, actually broke his leg against Weidman. Yeah. So he comes and he does it there, and it's nearly an identical – it looks nearly the same. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to touch on anything more than that, but I just wanted to say, like, that's just such a crazy coincidence and obviously thoughts and prayers to Weidman as he, you know, goes through his – a recovery process because it, it, that was just a crazy thing but then you know you got Anthony Smith connecting with probably one of the best leg kicks ever just causing <laughs> cause like it, it was it was perfectly placed to where dude's ankle I forget who it was in I can't remember either but I know but what fight you're talking about his leg goes limp he just yeah. it's not broken he just the nerve is just not there anymore like and the most the most down. impressive thing about that fight was after his leg went out he he got himself out of a takedown yeah and got himself back on his feet yeah and then when he sat down his ankle bent and the whole yeah. arena was like oh like it was, it was not <laughs> yeah it was and, and then you know you got uh valen or what's her name uh valencine i don't know whatever her name is yeah. um the i'm tripping i can't remember and then obviously you got thug rose out yeah. here oh my god retained that was you know, or uh, reclaiming the title after losing it. One of the the first women's fighter ever to do that, to hold the title twice after losing or regain the title after losing it. And then you also got Kamaru Usman shutting down Jorge Masvidal after, you know, yeah. what was a brutal back and forth. Masvidal 
you know, came in. He was he was cocky. He was trash talking him. Obviously, I'm a I'm a very big Kamaru Usman guy. He's probably one of the guys that I started watching when I got into the UFC most yeah. often. And I think that it was kind of it, it was it was poetic justice that the guy who was saying like, oh, he doesn't have the uh, god gifted talent of being able to knock people out with his bare hands got knocked out by that same person's bare hands. So I was just like, all right, let's get after it. Yeah, and uh, Usman shut the whole arena down. Yeah. And they, I, they, it was a Masvidal crowd. And I was so excited because I was like, everybody's cheering for this. Everybody's cheering for Street Jesus. I was yeah. like, heck no. I was like, Masvidal about to go out here. And then when he kept dropping his hands, I was like, he is going to find himself yeah. no, that's one on of the, the canvas right taking away. a nap. Because yeah. Masvidal, uh, like he he's – He kept dropping his hands the whole fight. Yeah, Masvidal, he's, he's good, but – Kamaru Usman is a different animal. He is, yeah. he is a, as in, in his words, he is a problem. Yeah. And I like, I would not want to, you know, I don't want to mess with them, but I would not want to, there is no reason to trash talk someone of Kamaru Usman's stature because you're either going to look like an idiot at the end or you're, you guys are he's he's gonna win no matter what but i think right. it's just gonna it, it's always gonna come out to where you're you know you're you look like a clown and even in a masvidal packed arena that probably made it more hype for me because I, I felt like i was the only one like even at home i wasn't there obviously but I, even at home i knew it and i was like i was like this is about to get yeah. after him <laughs> well the people that i was with at the event some of my neighbors that i went with yeah. um they they were they were pro Masvidal, but their reasoning for it is because they wanted the trilogy. Gotcha. So they wanted Masvidal to take the second fight so they could fight again a third time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they just so happened to fit in with the crowd. I didn't really have a preference. I was kind of just soaking the whole event in and yeah. watching the fights. Uh, and- I, made it, I made it vividly clear beforehand, during, and after that I was definitely on Usman's side, on Twitter at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've never really had someone in, in the UFC field that I am just like a stand for. Uh, yeah. there, there were some people I got to watch on Saturday night that I really liked and enjoyed the way they fought. Uh, Randy Brown being one of them. Yeah, And also Brendan Allen were two guys that I really enjoyed fighting. I also got selfies with both of them as they were walking down the row. So uh, that that contributed to the fandom a little bit. But uh, I think when it comes to boxing, there are more guys that, like, if they're fighting, I want to make sure I catch them. And UFC, to me, has always been, like, more of the the big fights. And that was definitely what Usman and Masvidal was, and that was – yeah, it was really cool to see live, and that knockout was just brutal. I've, you know, you, you always, you Dude, always want to see one of those live. The and, picture that was created from that, did you see, with all like the sweat flying everywhere. Yeah. That, that, oh, beautiful. dude, from where I was beautiful. sitting when when Usman landed the punch, you could just see the sweat explode. <laughs> like I, that was the first thing I noticed, and that's kind of that's kind of when you knew, like, oh, oh, he's done. Oh, he just got <laughs> dropped. Yeah, he just got. Oh man, that was and bad. The whole place went silent, and the pe- the people, like two people behind me that were rooting for Usman, were like, "Yeah, they just shut this whole arena up," and the the energy was good. So yeah. great, great event all around, and definitely. Tom Brady was there. Got to was, snap a little video of him walking by. He didn't pay any attention to anybody. No, he was just he, there. He wasn't I, the. He wasn't even the biggest celebrity there, though. No, Jake. Paul. All, all eyes were on Jake Paul. Yeah. <laughs> And Jake Paul was sitting with a very good stand-up, good citizen within the community, Antonio Brown. So uh, the, the you know, very, Antonio Brown, who is now returning to the Buccaneers as of today. 
Yeah, I saw that. A one year deal. That. So yeah, so they, they've, you know, they're they're gonna be dirty again next year. There's they something they retain everybody. But it's yeah, gonna be, um, it's gonna be crazy. Definitely. So all right, uh, I, I think, think without, without further ado, I was gonna say the exact same thing. Look at that. I read your mind. I know. I read your mind. Even even after a month break. I know. I still know what you're gonna say. Exactly, and <laughs> you know, you know who else knows what we're gonna say at all times? Who? Our sponsor, Bill Nye, the Science Guy. Yeah, because he, he knew we were gonna plug him right there. He did, and um, so you know, I actually had Firehouse last night to you know yeah. celebrate the return to Sunshine State Takes. And I actually think if there's any of our sponsors that knows for sure what it's gonna say, it's Microsoft. Microsoft, indeed. And that's because yep. they got. You know they're they're watching this this whole screen recording very closely right now. Yes, they are indeed. They probably are looking through our email addresses and our you know bank account information as we speak. <laughs> so if there's anyone who knows what we're going to say, actually, it's it's Microsoft. But uh, yep, that's that's very good. All right, so before we get into this mock draft, we're gonna I'm gonna kind of lay out the landscape of how we're going to do this. So. We don't, last year, we kind of each went one by one. It took forever to yeah. finish. All right. It was, it was a, a, by the end of it, I was like, all right, best player, like best player available. I was tired of it. I was like, I don't even want to do this anymore. However, <laughs> we turned it over this time. We're each going to do separate draft picks. So I have odd, Matt has even. Okay. Yep. So the odd picks, I will take the even picks Matt will take. And we're going to go pick by pick. So it's not you know, we, we have not discussed this in any way. So it's literally going to no. be like, we're the GMs for each of these teams. I'm actually very ill prepared just because <laughs> of everything I've had going on. So that's why earlier in the show, I said, maybe there'll be some humor and some comedy <laughs> thrown in on. I want to make sure we have some fun with this. So we are just, <laughs> so Matt is blindly picking these players from a field. <laughs> not blindly, now. but like, Close. Not close. Not not Stevie Wonder sight, but maybe like my fifteen year old dog who's starting to, to kinda, go blurry yeah. a little bit. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, so we're we're kind of having to we're going to be figuring it out as we go. However, um, without I think we can go ahead and start with the Jacksonville Jaguars at the number one pick. Ready for it? Yeah, let's go ahead and share the screen. You're right. I'm tripping. Can't forget. I know. Okay. What am I, what am I, I doing, know. dude? At all, at, all not, at all times, I know. At all times, you just, you just know. All right. Without further ado, I think that we go and we start the 2021 version of the Sunshine State's mock draft is live. And with the first overall pick, I'm not even going to sit through the clock. I already know who it is. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence, the franchise. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just boo. We're booing Roger Goodell. Oh, yeah. Boo. 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 All, right. All right. Here we go. With the All first right. overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select quarterback out of Clemson, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new so, day in Jacksonville. So since the Jets won against the Rams, I feel like Trevor Lawrence has been the guy even before then, but he's been destined for Jacksonville. That destiny has now become reality as Trevor Lawrence is now a Jacksonville Jaguar. Yep. All right. And I don't think I don't think there was any other. I don't think there was any other way that it was going to happen. Nope. Uh, so all. getting into my first pick of the night, and 
Now you're giving me a pretty tough task. You're asking me to be the GM of the New York Jets, which yeah. historically has been a very bad job to have, but I'm going to try my best. And uh, second overall pick of the 2021 NFL draft, the New York Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback, Brigham Young University. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, and Zach Wilson's a guy that we've talked about a lot on this show. We've both been very big on him, more so earlier in the season when we got to watch him on a week-to-week basis, but when we previewed our quarterbacks a couple weeks ago, we both kind of were a bit more hesitant. Uh, We both moved him down on our board a little bit, but he is still the common – he's still the pick to me here. I I just don't think the Jets have any interest in Justin Fields and – uh, you know, the second the country started to see Zach Wilson a bit more, he kind of became that consensus guy for the Jets at number two. Definitely. And I think uh, it, I think where we're at right now is where the draft really starts. I think it's yeah. Trevor, Zach, and now is where we genuinely have no idea what anybody's going to do. So with the third pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. Wow. So my reasoning behind this is I think that Trey Lance late surge into the, into the uh, 49ers big board in terms of which quarterback they're going at. They're looking at Mac Jones and Trey Lance, even though my, my perception of this is that this should be without a doubt, Justin Fields that I feel like that ship has passed. There's no smoke screen that Justin Fields is going to be the guy. It's going to be between Lance and Jones. However, I think overall you're looking at Lance who brings a solid skill set. And I think he's going to be able to transition into being a pretty solid starter in the NFL. Obviously Mac Jones brings that. um, uh, I feel like he brings a uh, higher floor, but Lance is too big of an opportunity to pass up. And I think because of his late surge into the draft uh, board of the 49ers, they take a chance on the North Dakota state prospect and get a guy who's thrown one interceptions over, over what I think it's like, 14 college games. Something. Yeah, something like that. 28 touchdowns to zero interceptions in, in uh, 2019, I think. He, and then in his showcase game in 2020, I think he threw one. But yeah. uh, we're going to push that off to the side. And uh, in a full season of play, Trey Lance impressed. Yes. Now, the one thing I want to say is we've kind of seen how Carson Wentz has panned out. Now, I don't know if that's any indication. Also, Easton Stick is a, is a North Dakota State quarterback who made it onto a roster, the Chargers, I believe. He hasn't done anything. So I think at this point we kind of know like drafting out of North Dakota state can maybe be a higher risk type of thing. But as we saw with Carson Wentz in 2017, it can also be a very high reward. So I I like it. I don't think Matt Jones is that good. And I also don't think Justin Fields is going to be the pick. I don't know why they don't like Justin Fields, but they're just not big on him. So I agree with Trey Lance there. Um, The Atlanta Falcons. Uh, with the fourth pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Atlanta Falcons will be taking Kyle Pitts tight end out of Florida. And there's been a lot of talk about what the Falcons could do here. They could go quarterback of the future. Well, that's really, it's really come down to, are they going to go Kyle Pitts or the quarterback of the future? And look, I'm not ready. And I don't think Falcons fans should be ready to give up on Matt Ryan yet. Mm-hmm. He's hardly been the problem in Atlanta. Has he, has he met that standard that he did in 2016 when he won his MVP? Not quite. But has he played – has he put up winning numbers since then? They made the playoffs in 2017, and they've had competent offensive play for the past few years. It's been the defensive side of the ball. 
that has struggled. Now they could address that here. They could, but you can't pass up on a generational tight end talent. Uh, and that's something that if you add to the, to your offense, it will just make it even better. And I think this is one of those things where you take the best player available. And for the Falcons, that would be to go Kyle Pitts. I would like to say one thing you said, generational, generational tight end talent. How about generational talent in general? Overall, I agree. I, yeah. He is, he is by far the, in my opinion, I think in most opinion, the best player quarterback or non-quarterback in this entire draft. He is the most can't miss guy that we have seen come out of the college ranks. I, I would say in quite some time. So we're going to, I'm, I'm smashing the table for, I, I like the Kyle Pitts um, pick to Atlanta. It's, they have the defense um, issues, defensive issues. However, you, you can't pass up on him. He is the best player available for, at number one. However, the run on quarterbacks, he ends up at number four. With, at number five, the Cincinnati Bengals have a bit of a uh, – they, they have a decision to make between protecting their franchise quarterback or giving him another weapon for the future. It, it's an enticing thing to want to go after the skill position player of Jamar Chase and be able to reunite him with his college quarterback and who lit up the 2019 college football field in Joe Burrow and Cincy. However, coming off an ACL injury last season, Joe Burrow is going to need protection up front. I think it would be a bit of a uh, oversight to not go out and get um, probably or, or not, uh, not probably go out and get the best offensive tackle prospect this draft has to offer in Penny Sewell. So with the fifth overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select offensive tackle from Oregon, Panay Sewell. Yeah, and I think that's the right move. You got to protect Joe Burrow. That's the, arguably the biggest factor going into why he got hurt last year. Um, I think I think T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Auden Tate can get the job done yep. if Joe Burrow can stay upright. Panay Sewell is the first step in making that happen. So I agree with that pick here. Uh, moving on to the Dolphins. Uh, I'm going to go with a name that I have seen tied to the Dolphins pretty much all offseason. Um, you know, weapons-wise, they could use more there. Devontae Parker, after a great year in 2019, I don't really think he matched that level. And I think, I think putting another legitimate playmaker on the other side of him can maybe help him out a lot. Uh, I, so with the sixth overall pick, and the first wide receiver taken off the board in this class, Miami Dolphins are going. See, Brandon already knows. He knows my mind. Oh, maybe he doesn't. Uh, it's Jamar Chase. I figured. Um, and we didn't see Jamar Chase this past season, I don't believe, right? He No, he opted think, out before yeah, the he, year. He opted out. So we didn't see Jamar Chase. He's fresh. Uh, we we know what he can do. We he, he absolutely lit up the boards with Joe Burrow in 2019. And this is the right move. I mean – you're getting a guy who hasn't played in a year. He's eager to get out on the field. He's eager to make an impact right away. And the Dolphins need a weapon that can make an impact right away. Uh, especially, I don't want to call it a make or break year for Tua, but for a young quarterback that has something to prove, I think adding a guy like Jamar Chase can provide a really effective security blanket and can go a long way in helping Tua develop gotcha. into a good NFL quarterback. I agree. I agree. Oh, hello. Yeah, a trade. Oh, wow. All right. We at the seventh overall pick. We have a trade. 
the Detroit Lions are trading back to the number 15 spot as the New England Whoa. Patriots are moving up to the seven Whoa. overall pick. Whoa. Whoa. This is crazy. <laughs> I've, I've never seen something like this. They are moving up to the seven overall pick, seventh overall pick, to take their quarterback of the future and who wow. is likely to be at some point considered Wait for it. Wait for it. Tom Brady's replacement in New England. Justin Fields, oh, Ohio State. Justin Fields. Wow. So, for people watching this, it does say the Lions, but just know hypothetically, just just envision the Lions logo as the Patriots logo. Yes. Because just, So, the reason we can't do trades is because I'm not paying for it considering there's one day left until the draft. And we just decided that there would only be one trade in this entire thing. So it's just, that's just how it works out. So, you know, it is what it is. All right. Perfect. Justin Fields. I think he is able to bring a a multifaceted skill set to the quarterback position. He is a dominant, you know, passer as well as rusher. He is the second best quarterback in this entire draft behind Trevor Lawrence. And he is able to kind of give the Patriots that guy of the future. And he gets to sit behind a player that he is well familiar with and Cam Newton, who is going, I think, uh, you know, is going to be able to provide him the necessary skills that he needs to have success in New England. Yeah, and I think if the Patriots do go quarterback and either Lance or Fields falls to them, I think Cam Newton would be a good mentor yeah. for either of them, just given the style of football that they play. And Fields is a name that I've seen tied to the Patriots as of recent. A lot of Patriots fans hoping that he might fall, considering the lack of interest in him amongst the top teams in the draft. So if he is to fall, I think that could be a guy the Patriots go with, and maybe they do trade up to get him like you predict. I'm – I'm a little shocked that it would be the Lions. I have heard, uh, I have heard as of recent that it might be the Panthers. Yeah, uh, I saw that rumor, so that could happen so too. But my my thoughts going to be the Lions, and I don't I don't hate it. I like it. I, I would love Justin Fields on the Patriots. Um, so you know, my we'll thoughts. See what happens. My thoughts behind it is that if we see a transition, that the only player. If, if obviously I think this is going to happen, if we see Pitts and Chase taken before seven, I think the Lions are kind of in a spot where they just don't really have that value at seven. Meanwhile, the Patriots understand that they're going to try and go get that quarterback of the future. And Bill always wins. Bill always gets what he wants. So he's going to move up. The Lions are going to give it to him and he's going to go get this quarterback that is going to be able to carry the Patriots for another 20 years. And then we're just going to continue seeing the cycle of them getting generational quarterbacks, winning Super Bowls, and it's just never going to end because of course, why would it, you know, because like what? It, it, Bill Bill is going to coach till he's 104 and then he's going <laughs> to turn it over to his son and it's just going to be a Bill Belichick cycle of winning in New England for years to come yep well uh that's it's a very colorful prediction uh, but it, it's not <laughs> it's not unlikely at all um yeah, yeah just, Justin Fields on the Patriots I dig it um moving on to the Carolina Panthers uh you know they were another team that was that would have been penciled in to take a quarterback about a month ago uh, until something else that we didn't get to cover occurred, and that was the addition of Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's going to be the guy in Carolina, and I think he's got a solid group of weapons around him. They did lose Curtis Samuel, but I, I, think, I think he's still got a lot to work with there pending the health of Christian McCaffrey, and I think there's a few different directions they can go, but 
Uh, you know, as you see right there, one of their biggest team needs, offensive tackle. Uh, and I don't – I just feel like I haven't heard enough about how good this guy is. So, with the eighth overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, Carolina Panthers, mark it in, Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle, Northwestern. So, the, the Panthers get their guy in terms of who's able to protect Sam Darnold. Yeah. Uh, there in that new era of uh, Carolina, considering now Teddy is headed to this team right here in the Denver Broncos. Yeah. So we got uh, – we, we kind of – that 8-9 uh, combo now has new quarterbacks uh, in the mix. So no longer are they looking to, you know, get those quarterbacks of their future because they, they feel like they have them. For the yeah. Broncos, I was kind of uh, – I, I was kind of back and forth. Obviously, they need a linebacker, but I think Michael Parsons is a bit of a reach at nine. I think he is a great player. I'm not sure how he is in terms of – and I, I don't want to be that guy, but off the field. I'm not sure yeah. what the issue is there. I don't want to, you know. How many to... people went to his birthday party? That That's a great question. Right. I, I, right. I uh, Based off some of the reports I've seen about him, probably not many. Um, however, know. there is a dire need for a third cornerback in the room. They've let go of Chris Harris Jr. and A.J. Boye in, uh, in return for Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller. And then they also have – the boys in the back, Kareem Jackson, and why did I just blank on his name? He's Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best safeties in the entire NFL. That's why I was like, bro, I literally just had it. They're going to add Patrick Sertain out of Alabama to the mix, and they're going to have probably one of the best cornerback secondary rooms in the NFL because I feel like there's no one touching that group of five because they yeah. are top deep from top to bottom. Yeah, and in 2015, when the Broncos went to the Super Bowl, they really prided themselves on their secondary, that yeah. no-fly zone. Nothing got past them. Not even that, you know, pretty solid offense that uh, the Patriots put on the field that year. And, uh, you know, they were able to hold teams like the Packers to 10 points. And nothing, just nothing got by that secondary. And they're, they're really trying to recapture that and make life difficult for opposing quarterbacks. And you know, you consider some of the guys who are in that division with them, Mahomes, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbert, they're going to have to go up against the secondary two times a year each. Yeah. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a very long 60 minutes of football, especially if they add Patrick Sertain to what's already looking like. It could be a pretty decent secondary. They just need one more guy. Yes, I agree. So, uh, and I think this is a team – the Cowboys. Now, no one likes the Cowboys, so I don't really think anyone cares what the Cowboys do here. Um, My girlfriend would beg to differ. So would her entire family. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, if they listen to this, I, I guess I apologize. But, you know. Hey, Cowboys slander it, can never go too far. Do, do they think it's their year this year? Probably. They Probably. they're not they're not super big in the football. But. No. I, <laughs> I'm just, all, all, every Cowboys fan, all, it's, it's our year. It's our year. No, it's not. No, it's not. Hey, good news. 17 games can't go 8-8 eight and eight this year. That's factual. Um, so, I think the Cowboys are going to go cornerback. Second best one on the board is J.C. Horn. Going to go ahead and pencil that in for the Cowboys as they try to beef up their secondary. They had an atrocious defense last year. So, I think whether they go corner or linebacker or what. Uh, and Sean Lee just retired. Yeah. So that that's probably going to be something they look to address maybe later in the draft. Um, I think there's also so I know I said at at nine it's kind of a stretch to have Parsons. Um, yeah. Cowboys, 
for some reason, I feel like the Cowboys have always been uh, kind of the team, if there is any, to take a chance on the off the field issues, take a chance on the injuries. Yeah, Parsons could be there at the ten slot if they choose to go in that direction. However, like you said, cornerback has been a issue for Dallas, not just last season, but for years and years and years. Right. They have always struggled to have good corners on the field. And then the one they did have, they let go to Miami and Byron right. Jones. Yep. So they continue to have those woes in the secondary. If they can get a guy like J.C. Horn, who is arguably the best one, uh, even over Patrick Sertain, who was taken at nine, they are getting a guy who's going to be able to play that man-on-man coverage. He's going to be able to kind of lock down that side of the field. And it opens up kind of uh, a bit of you can do some scheming on the opposite side, knowing you're taken care of on whatever side J.C. Horn is lining up on. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, it, it is a need. And I also like the point that you make with Micah Parsons and the Cowboys having that tendency to go after those uh, troubled individuals a little bit. So I certainly wouldn't be surprised if that's what they do in that regard. It would be a very typical Cowboys move. But uh, moving on to your next pick, New York football giants who have some expectations this year. So you, you got to get it right. You got to yes. get it right. Mr. Gettleman, it's your pick. You got to get it right. I think at the end of the <laughs> I think at the end of the day, uh, you're looking at a team that needs to surround Daniel Jones with weapons. Uh, you know, he he's at that point now where if it, it's kind of a I feel like it's make or break for him right now. Uh, am I the only one that gets that sense that if if he no it a hundred percent is I mean they've given him Kenny Galladay they've given him John Ross you're gonna have Saquon Barkley back especially if they draft a guy there is going to be a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones to make something work with this cast that's around him because it's improved. And that means he should see some improvement as well. I agree. I think because of this, we're looking at a team that is going to be trying to add a wide receiver to the mix. And they're going to do so with the speedster out of Alabama, the guy that he got hurt last season and he allowed, uh, you know, his teammate and Devontae Smith to just ball out. However, Jalen Waddle was arguably the best wide receiver on that team last season when healthy. So I think as a result, we're going to see the Giants go after the non-Heisman winning wide receiver at Alabama coming out of the draft this season. Jalen Waddle, number 11 to New York. Yeah, and his ability to stretch the field paired with Kenny Galladay's ability to go up and get tough catches – and plus the speed of John Ross and the elusiveness uh, of Saquon Barkley in the backfield, that's going to be a very dangerous skill set, skill position player group for Daniel Jones. Pending he stays upright uh, in the backfield and has time to go through his reads and makes throws and limits turnovers, uh, you know, he's got the pieces. Yeah. So you're not the only one who feels that way. I, I think uh, – I think this is the year where we really need to see it from Daniel Jones or else he's going to have to ride the bench while he watches Colt McCoy. Actually, did Colt McCoy, he went somewhere or is he still with the Giants? He went somewhere. I think, I don't think, I don't know if he's the backup anymore. I cannot remember. Uh, I don't know. Hold on. I can let you know. Arizona Cardinals. Yep. That's that's what I thought. I thought, I thought he went somewhere. So I, I spoke a little too soon, but I caught myself. He's Uh, turning into a little bit of a journeyman, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's been a, he's been a few places he's now. Start, he's starting to bounce. Yeah, I feel like he was in. Uh, I feel like he was in Washington for. He yeah, was in Washington. 2014 he, to 2019, he was in Washington. Yeah, he started games after. Uh, so Alex Smith broke his leg, and then Colt McCoy came in to start. And I believe Colt McCoy's first start after Alex Smith's injury, 
Cole McCoy got hurt. Yeah. And then they had to move on to like Josh Johnson, I think, who ended up going to the XFL. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> very bad year for Washington quarterbacks that year. Um, also, happy retirement to Alex Smith. Congratulations. Absolutely. On, congratulations on a fantastic comeback story. Congratulations on an illustrious career. He's earned it. He's earned the family time. He's earned the right to just sink into the couch and sit back and relax and put on a good movie and just just breathe, you know. He, he's gone through so much and, you know, a huge inspiration to a lot of people who struggle with injuries looking to, you know, get on the comeback and, you know, get on their feet and get moving again. I think Alex Smith has really provided a lot of inspiration and motivation to a lot of people. So uh, I agree. A little bit of a tangent, but happy retirement to Alex Smith. Um, just hyped up Washington. Now I'm going to pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Can we scroll down this a little bit or maybe pull up the wide receivers? Um, uh, so the wide receivers, Devontae Smith is going to be the next available one. Um, that's who I'm going to go with for the Eagles here. They, they need to add something or else Eagles fans are going to do what they did after they won the Super Bowl, except it won't, we, it won't be because they're happy. It will be because they are over it. Um, you, you want your city – to be trashed when it's a celebration, not when it's a bunch of angry people upset about another bad draft pick. So the Eagles are going to go wide receiver, give Jalen Hurts and or Joe Flacco a legitimate offensive weapon to work with. Now, the thing with Devontae Smith is his size. Obviously, he's small. But I think, you know, another guy who's small is a guy who played some good football in Philadelphia over the years. And that's Deshaun Jackson. And maybe Devontae Smith can kind of be that but better. You know, the small guy stretching the field, making the plays. And and at the end of the day, I think I think if you're good, you're good. You know, in size, you know, it, it's a factor. But if you have the skill set and you got the speed, and the biggest thing is he's a wide receiver. So if he gets open and he's not dropping passes, he's gonna he's gonna have himself a nice long career in the NFL. So I think it's a good pick for the Eagles. I feel like he's shown his toughness at points at Alabama, yeah. though. So he's been he's kind of been able to absorb those hits and absorb, you know, just the factor of him being smaller, right. and uh, not to be that SEC beater, but in the SEC, it's kind of you're looking at guys that there's a good majority of them that will be playing on Sundays. Now it's not the same as Sundays because. In the NFL, everyone is professional. In, in the SEC, everyone is not professional. But it, I think it gives kind of the same, you know, we, we saw Devontae Smith versus J.C. Horn matchup. We right. saw him, you know, run across the middle and get hit by a linebacker at points. It, it's, it's uh, I feel like sometimes it's kind of a bit of a, you know, obviously there's concerns for the weights. There's concerns for size when you go to the NFL. But this guy is coming. He is a Heisman winner. He is a straight up baller. He did it all season long. Yeah. And I think that he'll be able to continue that in the NFL in, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles would be a great destination, especially because he'll be reuniting with the guy that he played with his freshman season in Jalen hurts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing, uh, it, you know, where the Eagles stand with Jalen hurts exactly is a little unclear. feels like Jalen hurts is more on the hot seat side. So bringing in a legitimate weapon like this, I think is something Similar to Jalen Waddle with Daniel Jones, it's something that will help a quarterback that is 
And it, it stinks for Jalen Hurts that he's already in this position, but it will aid a guy that is kind of already in a make or break year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. All right, number 13 overall. If we, if we take a if we direct our attention to the left side of the screen, we'll see that the team needs say that offensive tackle is probably the biggest one. I kind of agree considering we're looking at Justin Herbert who put on a fantastic or rookie campaign last year for the Chargers. I mean, he was one of the guys that we were kind of like, eh, I don't know how great Justin's going to be. At least I was. Uh, and then I He was, was my number one quarterback on the board last gotcha. year. Gotcha. I was completely I was completely blown away by what he was able to do. He exceeded all of my expectations. And getting a guy that's able to protect him for the longevity, similar to how we're getting a guy that can protect another pick from last year in Joe Burrow. Christian Derrissaw out of Virginia Tech, he became a starter in uh, his freshman season at Virginia Tech, continued to improve. He brings size, length, and just the uh, uh, nimble feet to the mix. He is a prototypical offensive tackle, and I think that he is going to be a you know pretty solid player in with the Chargers if he's able to kind of uh, you know mesh with that system well. So I think with the 13th overall pick to the Los Angeles Chargers, Christian Derisaw, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. Yeah, and you talk about uh, Justin Herbert's performance from last year and how this is something that can elevate his game in year two. We always talk about sophomore slumps when it comes to yeah rookie quarterbacks that good put on a good show in their first year. And uh, one of the moves that the Chargers can make to help Herbert prevent that is protection. So yeah. I, I think that would be a good move for the Chargers. Yeah. If he has protection, he is going to have more time to make decisions. He's going to have more time to, you know, just do what he does best, not overthink things and just be able to let it rip. And I think that's going to be a vital piece for the Chargers as they kind of look to be building something there. I don't know. They're, as they, they might be up to something in, in Los Angeles. Super Bowl in the next five years for the Chargers? Yes or no? I don't know. I don't – I well, I don't know. I don't know. Come back to me in like a year or two. Okay. We'll see how this year goes. Yeah. All right. All right, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, wow. Uh, and this is a team that struggled defensively last year. They had some guys on their defensive line that were out, and they had some guys leave. Uh, and they just weren't the same unit that they were even in 2019. And I think something that the minute now it's not one of their most pressing needs. And there are two options for their two most pressing needs here that they can go with. Um, but I think this team showed last year that it was a capable offensive team. And I, I think they need to kind of rejuvenate that defense. And I think a good way of doing that with the 14th overall pick of the 2021 NFL draft is to go with Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher, out of Miami. I went 100% let's, agree. Let's get some more life back into that defense. Let's get back to the uh, – uh, I'm blanking on these guys' names. Uh, let's get back – Everson oh, Griffin and – Everson Griffin and – Danielle uh, Hunter. Shuri, Danielle Hunter. Let's get back to those days of those guys tearing it up on the front. Just, yeah. a, just a mean, brutal defensive line that can get after the quarterback. Yeah, and Jalen Phillips, he brings energy to a squad. I feel mm -hmm. like all season, whenever I watched Miami, he was just the energizer bunny for that defensive line. And they'll have Anthony Barr returning next year. They'll have, you know, uh, 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 Eric Kendricks. In, or is it – no, it's Eric, yeah. Eric yeah. Kendricks coming back. Yeah. And they're going to be able to kind of see that uh, re-acclimation to the, the game. And it, with the re-addition of Jalen Phillips – with Everson Griffin now in Detroit after a bit of a sorry start in Dallas, um, we could see 
Jalen Phillips kind of reassume that, uh, like you said, that one-two punch that they had on the defensive line yeah. uh, there in Minnesota, which will only aid two of the best young offensive skill players in the entire NFL, and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, my two boys. So I think yeah. that's a, it's a great pick for Minnesota. And here we are, the Detroit Lions. I know, I know it says the New England Patriots. However, we're now looking at the Detroit Lions uh, having a pick here uh, at the 15th because of the trade that was made earlier. See, the one thing that I think the Lions might have to do at this point is just go overall best available because, you know, they're looking for a wide receiver. However, is Elijah Moore is the best player on in terms of the this predictive, uh, this uh, big board. And I feel like that's kind of a reach. They don't need a quarterback, but they do need somebody to kind of aid them uh, defensively, I think. And I think, yeah. you know, you can, the one thing that Dan Campbell is going to try to implement is having a hard nose. Uh, got, they're going to try to win up front and they're going to try to be, they're going to try to bite your kneecaps off. If, exactly. If I, there's no better way to say it. They're going to yeah. try to bite your kneecaps off. And there's no better guy in this draft, in my opinion, that's going to be able to bite people's kneecaps off like Christian Barrymore from Alabama defensive lineman. So I'm, that's who I'm going to be selecting for the Detroit lions. Matt, uh, Motor City Dan Campbell is able to get their guy or get his guy uh, or get his defensive lineman, and they're going to be able to anchor down, uh, you know, and, and, and win some gritty ball games because I think that's going to be their personality. That's going to be their mantra is just being able to grind it out, get, you know, win those 10 to three ball games. <laughs> not that yeah. that's happening in the NFL anymore, but not that the Lions are winning games, but, uh, <laughs> but hey, hey, you never know the power of that. I don't want to hear Dan Campbell slander on here. No, no, that, Dan that is uncalled for, Matt. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uncalled for. I'm sorry. You know what? Uh, I'm taking your Cardinals saying. pick. So okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've just been kidding. stripped. I've been stripped of my, of my pick for Dan Campbell slander. I, I, that's how we do it here. If you slander the greats, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, I can make f- up for it by saying Jake Fromm is a terrible quarterback. And ah. Thus I have regained <laughs> my Arizona Cardinals pick. So um, I, I think this could be the spot where Micah Parsons goes. I, yeah. uh, they're, they're in need of a, a linebacker and they, with this pick, they are putting together a pretty interesting linebacker group there in Arizona. Isaiah Simmons and Micah Parsons. Simmons, now you get Micah Parsons. You know, the versatility of Simmons paired with the explosiveness of Parsons could be a pretty dangerous group over there in Arizona. So, with the 16th overall pick in the halfway point of the 2021 NFL draft, halfway point of the first round. In reality, this is probably like (laughs) 3% of the way through the draft. But anyways, the Arizona Cardinals, Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. I like it. I was, I, I feel the exact same way you do. They're looking for a guy that can, you know, kind of bring uh, a, a, another piece in that second level of the defense, pairing him alongside Isaiah Simmons is the way to go. Now we get to the Raiders who have always, they, they've, ne- I feel like they've never followed the norm of, okay, uh, you know, they need an interior defensive lineman. They need an offensive tackle. They're probably going to go with the best one available, right? No. What they're going to do, in my opinion, is they're going to go out and they're going to get a guy to anchor down the middle. 
but they're not going to go get a Jamin Davis or a Zayvon Collins. They're going to go get a great coverage linebacker from Notre Dame who's able to bring the, lay the lumber down towards the line of scrimmage and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame is going to be the 17th pick to the Las Vegas Raiders because they just always seem to do those weird things. They always seem to kind of have a different uh, layout than everybody else, and I think they continue that uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, that just shows that you've really put some thought into this. Uh, I'm not very well versed on him, but I do agree and see where you're coming from with the Raiders being a bit unconventional. And, you know, last year we were both a little confused when they went with Henry Ruggs as when they, when every wide receiver was still on the board, they went with Henry Ruggs. And then the year before that, didn't they go with Cleveland Farrell? Yeah. They so, like, yeah. They, they were just bringing they, – they tend to kind of lean towards these these gems that they believe they're going to get. And I think that's just a little of John Gruden overthinking. However, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is going to be a pretty solid player in the NFL. And I think the one thing that he brings to that defense that, you know, they're going to – they would fit in with them very well with my boy Jonathan Abram is just the fact that he brings the physicality. There is yeah. this There is this video – of him just absolutely laying out a player from FSU. I don't even know who it is, but he comes down, cracks him behind the line of scrimmage, and it is one of the most electric things I've seen uh, sure. a, a player do. So I think uh, Awusu Koromoa to the Raiders. Lock it in. So now we have the Miami Dolphins picking again. Um, if we can go back to the big board. Yep, sorry. Uh, no worries. So we can get an idea if, if here. It'll, there we go. I think I know what I want to go with. Um, add some more beef to their defense up front, add some pass rush. Quiddy Pay from Michigan, I gotcha. think, could be the play here. Add some beef to that pass rush uh, and just continue to make that Brian Flores defense better. Yeah. Uh, you know, the secondary is already looking pretty good. And I think that front seven is an area on that defense that can use a bit more work. And I think Quiddy Pay would be a good start. Yeah, I think one thing that I will say is I think Quiddy Pay would be a solid pick for them. However, uh, I feel like for some reason I have this kind of – I'm leaning more towards a Zayvon Collins from Tulsa okay. simply because yeah. I think I think that uh, Brian Flores is a, a guy that he is willing to kind of take chances on guys because he sees upside in them. Uh, I feel like we saw it a bit um, – Who they or with? obviously they picked two last year, so that doesn't really help, yeah. but – um, they had two picks last season. I forget who the second one was. They had three. They picked the uh, oh, you're the, right. The corner from Auburn, and then yes, yeah. So he, so he's my guy. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. So obviously he struggled a bit in year one. However, he tends to go after these high upside guys. Saban yeah. Collins is a high upside guy. He's able to anchor down the middle of that uh, Dolphins linebacker core after losing Kyle Van Noy back to the New England Patriots, and so we see this kind of odd, oh, they're going to take a linebacker, even though that's not a pressing need, but it's still something that they could use. Because I feel like every team kind of can use a uh, another guy in the middle, uh, especially in this in this league of, all right, are they, you know, it, it's predominantly passing. However, you still got to be able to stop the run because, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to go up against the Ravens in the playoffs or yeah. you know, the Titans at some point. So it, you definitely have to um, get these guys like Zayvon Collins for – this kind of run stop 
And I think the Dolphins have that ability to do so, like you said, because of the secondary, because of investing in him, that uh, the Auburn corner last year, and then Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. It's they have a they have studs in the back end. Yeah, no, they're good. They're really yeah. good. And I, I like the point that you make with uh, with Zayvon Collins and. Uh, I, I'm a group of five guys, so I've watched Tulsa play, and I, I like what he can do. And I, I think whoever gets him is going to get a stud and definitely a high upside player, like you say. Um, I don't know. I, I like Quiddy Pay too, though, and I, yeah, I, think, yeah. he, I yeah. think he'll make a big impact on a team. And I, I think I think any direction they go, just as long as they beef up that front seven, they're making a good pick. Yeah, I agree. I think I think both are good picks. Uh, yeah. But now we look at this Washington team who they might get even better on the defensive end. They're going to stretch it right. from the defensive line back to the second level. Zayvon Collins, he didn't get picked up at 18, but he does go at 19 to the Washington football team as they get a, an all-around player and probably one of the better, uh, high, and like I said, high upside guys, high ceiling guys that this draft has to offer. Ooh, all right. And you, you're taking advantage of me passing on them, and yep. that's fine. And that's a you know, and uh, we praise Washington's defense on the show all the time. Yes, we do. We like uh, it a lot. If 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 Zayvon Collins is the guy they go with, it's just gonna make them that much better. They made some moves on offense over free agency. They they uh, they extended uh, Taylor Heineke. They brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, so they'll have a bit of a competition in that regard. They got Antonio Gibson, so and, um, Logan Thomas, I, I like to talk about a lot. I feel like he's going to be a good tight end as he continues to get more experience at the position. So I think on the offensive side, they're good. But if they can just continue to beef up that defense, they're just going to be insanely good. And we're looking at a top five defense in football next year. So I think Zayvon Collins is a good pick for them. But now, I, you know, I, I, I've been having to be the GM – of some pretty rowdy fan base franchises. First, I had to make the correct move for the Jets, and I think I did a good job. I think I did I think the right so move too. with I the Jets. So but now I gotta uh, play the role of uh, Ryan Pace here and make the right pick for the Chicago Bears here at pick twenty. Um, so it's a tough one. Yeah, good news is I don't have to go a quarterback because we already have. Uh, franchise changing star Andy Dalton at the helm but I think one of the issues that the Bears commonly have is uh offensive line and uh, sometimes their quarterbacks can't stay upright but also um I think it would be good to take the wide receiver route as well or or we could throw a little curveball here you know let's go curveball route uh, you know it's the Bears right so uh all right, here we go with the with the twentieth overall pick in twenty twenty one NFL draft, and this is going to be the pick where everyone goes, "Wow!" Like not expect. This is going to be the pick, and the Bears are going to take Matt Jones, quarterback Ooh. out of Alabama. Matt oh, Jones going gonna, to the Chicago that Bears. That is going to make some Bears fans angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. yeah. I mean, I kind of, I kind of want to like. I kind of want to see the world burn, you know, so I'm going to go ahead and take Matt Jones to the Chicago Bears. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think this is reminiscent of the Mitchell Jabisky pick. However, it's yeah. it's not as 
as low or, you know, as early on in the draft, which, you know, is fine. Um, you, you know, if they trade up again and get Mac Jones, can you imagine the, this utter chaos that the Bears fan base will be? However, I mean, so, so here's kind of an explanation, right? What, what role is Andy Dalton really supposed to, to play? You're paying him $10 million a year, right? Yeah. Fitzpatrick's getting paid $10 million a year. He may very well be the backup to Taylor Heineke. Look at the money Marcus Mariota may, is making. It's double digits, but he's a backup. Yeah. So Andy Dalton, $10 million a year, doesn't really guarantee him a starting spot. Maybe he starts the first four weeks of the season, but you got Allen Robinson coming back. Cole Komet going into year two. Mm -hmm. Anthony Miller, you know, and guys like uh, Wims, Javon Wims, I think. Yeah. I I mean, he – he got open in that wild card game against the Saints. Yeah. He dropped that pass. Um, uh, he was my fantasy running back last year. When David Montgomery not, exploded it, towards the end of the year. I think there's decent players in Chicago, and you got to and, – and maybe they don't have to take the chance in this draft that they don't like it or have to don't have to do it right here. You know, maybe you go like Davis Mills in the second round or third round or something. Um, well, you have to imagine quarterback is on the Bears' mind in some way. Yes. Um, they wanted Russell Wilson. Obviously, that was unlikely. They didn't happen. And I refuse to believe that they're just going to waltz into 2021 saying, all right, Andy Dalton's our guy. Go out yep. there. Go throw 13 touchdowns to 11 picks, and let's go Let's go 7-10 and 10 and miss the playoffs. We're good yeah. with that, right? No, I don't think that's – and while that's something that the Bears do often, I don't think it's something that they're okay with. And if Matt Jones is sitting there at 20, I, I, don't, I don't see why you don't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, because – and, I mean, you could go offensive line. But, I mean, to, to protect Andy Dalton, I mean, I don't know. And, I'll, I'll, and once again, you know, the Bears could be building for the future. Uh, maybe there's a guy next year that they like. But Matt Jones. Yeah. I'm going to go with Mac Jones. Just I think, throw a little curveball in there. I think so because for some reason there's this there's this uh, kind of buzz around Mac Jones of being one of the better quarterbacks in this draft. Obviously, we have him now as the fifth quarterback taken off the board despite his – and what I would give a second to third round grade even uh, for him. Yeah. I think the Bears – are a team that could get scared that they're not going to be able to get a quarterback to learn under Andy Dalton. So, you know, or even Nick Foles, I think, I think both of them can teach how to young quarterbacks, despite, uh, you know, not having success themselves. Uh, well, I wouldn't say success. Right. They've, they've each had their, you know, heights, however, and then obviously Nick Foles is a Super Bowl MVP, but they just haven't been able to sustain it. Mac Jones is a pick that is not as much a, oh, we need a quarterback right now, but it's what if, what if we get to our second round pick or our third round pick and the guy that we're eyeing is not there. Mac Jones is the, you know, and Mac Jones is better. Uh, We're we're in a position at 20 where we're just trying to get what we need and the best player available at that need. And quarterback is something that they will need. This is what they view to be a multi-year decision rather than a right now decision. Right. So yeah, so uh, I think it's the curveball of the of the mock draft so far, and I have no shame in it. Um, oh, I I agree with you. I'm I think happy. that's I think that's a I'm happy with my pick. Yeah. All right. So 
The Indianapolis Colts are a weird team. They could use a multitude of things. Do they want to get Carson Wentz more weapons? Do they want to get a, you know, a corner to be able to, uh, like, like a Greg Newsome to be able to play in the secondary? Do they want to even get a guy to protect Wentz? Yes, they want to get a guy to protect Wentz. Obviously, Anthony Costanzo is no longer there. And then you're also looking right. at a group that has arguably been the best offensive line, t- uh, you know, uh, whatever is it quartet is no that's four what's five quintet is it quintet say it again so like so if it's five so it's like uh it's like double triple quartet quintet so yeah the best that's what oh well if that's not right i think so that's what i think i think that they're looking for that fifth player on that offensive line alex leatherwood from alabama can bring that and you're going to be able to keep Carson Wentz upright, which is something that he will be not used to. And that'll be a foreign, foreign entity to him as he was just consistently smothered last year in Philadelphia, which ultimately led to the taking over of Jalen Hurts, who is a bit more mobile simply because he, uh, you know, is, is that's how he was in the college and Carson Wentz is still kind of, he, he hasn't been the same immobility since his injury. So it's kind of been like a weird, yeah. uh, you know, transition period for Wentz. Give him Alex Leatherwood along with, you know, the, the stud of Quentin Nelson um, along with everyone else that is on the offensive line. And you're looking at a pretty solid protection group for the Colts who can now later on go get one of the uh, sleeper wide receivers in the second or even third round. Quintet is correct, by the way. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Looked it up on Google. Yes. Well, the so like if you look up Quintet on Google, it'll say like it's a group of five people composing music or playing music, but like it's a group of five dictionary.com a little bit, and it was just like yeah, right. So I don't know why the composing music was in there because like because like quartet I feel like is like a music thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't know. It, It is what it is. Makes sense. Yeah. wait no yeah. it, english language i was dumb i said double and triple i meant duo and trio yeah. you know how i explained it i said you double triple, that. but i meant duo yeah. and trio. all right i'm not an idiot i promise i i think it's been I think a long finals the, week I think guys it's it's all the same thing yeah i agree whatever it's actually interesting that you know like with being done with finals and doing this episode this is like the first time i sat down in front of my computer to do something in like a you know a few days and i i was hit with some ptsd like i opened up the computer screen i was just like oh, oh, oh. but hey it, it's not for finals it's no it's to it's talk about something football. i actually enjoyed yeah. yeah exactly why like what no as long as it's not financial accounting i don't care what's on my <laughs> computer screen Definitely. Um, thank god that class is over oh my goodness Definitely. anyways the tennessee titans um and this, this is a weird team to me, I, I feel like I feel like they've, you know, Corey Davis is gone, mm-hmm. Adam Humphreys is gone, mm-hmm. so I, I feel like I feel like this would be I feel like wide receiver is the play here for the Titans. You have AJ Brown who is developing into one of the best in the game, but as of right now, I don't really know what's around him. Yeah. Um, and once again, I think I'm going to go another curveball pick. This is a guy who I've seen potentially going as a first rounder and I, I personally like him from what I've seen from him. Uh let's go Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. I love it. To the Tennessee Titans. I love it. Yeah. I I, I hate I it as a Jaguars fan. Whoever, I love it. 
I think – oh, yeah, because is that where you were going to go with at 25? No. Um, no, it's not. But I was no. saying in general, oh, but for face him twice a year. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think uh, his build and his skill set, I think it, it, it would benefit any wide receiver core really. But I, mm-hmm. I, a year removed from losing some guys, not to mention Johnny Smith gone as well, so that's another pass target removed. Yeah. I, I think I think Rashad – Rashad Bateman and AJ Brown is just a perfect base to build uh, and, and Derek Henry in the backfield. I mean, it's the perfect base for a skill position group. You can, you can put so much around that and there's so many things you can do that I think you can make work. If, if your three main guys are AJ Brown, Rashad Bateman and Derek Henry. So yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's the right pick there. And I, I think Elijah Moore will be a good pick there too, but. I think, I think I think getting a, a traditional Bateman. wide receiver two is what they need, and Rashad Bateman is a traditional. Yeah. Right, he's he is a a firm wide receiver two. You know, you you're not going to slide him in this slot, but you're going to give him some. You know, he's going to be able to make possession catches, and he's also going to be able to be that red zone target if they need it. And that that kind of kills two birds with one stone, as Johnny Smith can no longer provide them that red zone target. So I like I like, yeah, I like Bateman he'll, there. He'll be providing it for the. New England Patriots and Justin Fields. Yep. <laughs> well, not this year. According to you. Cam, to you. Cam this year and then Justin. Yep. Well, we know how that Cam goes. Cam one them. through six. Yes, yeah, literally. Week seven through. <laughs> we'll yep. see. <laughs> yep. All right. So now here we are with the New York Jets. And now it's my turn to play the Jets. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> In a situation where I'm not 100% certain of which one it's going to take. So I am – oh, gosh, I can't. I'm going to go – so this is what I'm going to do. So the Jets, yes, they probably need – the Jets need everything. Like, if you look at this, cornerback, edge, running back, wide receiver, offensive tackle, linebacker, interior, offensive line, tight end, safety. Like, I feel like that's – and then quarterback is they've already taken. They just need a little bit of everything. However, you see what uh, Robert Sala is going to try to bring. He had an edge rusher in Nick Bosa who was the focal point of his defense, in my opinion. And then also, you know, you got like a Fred Warner and stuff. I think they yeah. look towards getting an edge rusher. I'm going to take Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia just because I think okay. he's able to bring a bit of a uh, – he, he brings speed off the edge. He's able to kind of um, get after the quarterback, which is something Robert Sala likes to do. And he just is able to kind of uh, bolster a defense starting from the front to back, which is, I think, uh, you know, if you don't give a quarterback time, there there's really – uh, nothing he can do, but there are. If you give a quarterback time, then the corners can only hold it for so long. Aziz Ojolari looks to be the best edge rusher at this point in the draft available. So I think he is a. Um, he, he's probably I wouldn't say a safe pick because he is. He does have some uh, a bit of an up and down type. Uh, I don't know how to say it. up. And, he, he has his inconsistencies, but yeah, he's a he, he's probably a viable option for the Jets at twenty three. Yeah, and. Just looking at their roster, their depth chart, I think corner could be a good route for the Jets to take here yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, if I if I was going to Marcus, so Marcus, I was going. just going to say if I was going to go corner, I'd go Greg Newsom, but that was my second. yeah. Right. That's what I was thinking you might have done. That that might have been what I do. I think the safeties are fine with Marcus May and uh, Lamarcus Joyner, but uh, those corners, I, I look at those, I see yeah. um, Bryce Hall on there, but. I don't really he was see much last else. Year. Yeah, but I was, I'm saying I see I see yeah. Bryce Hall, but I don't see much else. Gotcha. And we're also not referring to to TikTok Bryce Hall. We're referring to 
We're, we're referring to a real a guy who wins non Mickey Mouse accolades. <laughs> um, yeah. So corner corner would be fine. I think it would. I think they could use some beef in their secondary. Yeah. But edge would be good too. I, I like the point you make about you know that that really brute force front seven of a Robert Sala defense, and yeah. with this guy being the best available edge rusher there, I think that that's a good move. Now for the the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying Steelers could go running back and uh, a whole bunch of different things they can do. And I kind of like the Steelers going running back. I think with James Conner gone, they could uh, they could bring someone else in there uh, because I don't, you know, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I feel like the running game wasn't really the focal point of the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. I just can't think of anyone off the top of my head who was like, super great like I feel like James Conner wasn't even that solid he wasn't. once again I don't know the stats and I, I could be wrong no you're, but, you're um, right you're correct 100%. Yeah. and now here's my thing the running back that I think is the best in this draft probably doesn't match up with a lot of other people and this is actually one that I'm pretty confident in so I don't think the Steelers are gonna go Najee Harris I don't think they're going to go Travis Etienne. Yes! I think they're going to go yes. Javante Williams, running back, North Carolina. And I like Javante Williams a lot. I do I think, as well. I think he's a guy that if I think he's a guy that if you watch, he's got a lot of Nick Chubb in him in a way he's able to hit the holes and the elusiveness he has. I also I've watched a lot of North Carolina this past year. I like Javante Williams and Michael Carter a lot. I think Michael Carter is going to find himself a big role on a team somewhere, whether it's the second or third round, but, and, you know, really Najee Harris, Travis Etienne and Javante Williams is a great like running back field to choose from in a draft. So I feel, and I think Travis Etienne is really pro ready. And I, I think Najee Harris is just a bruiser. Typical Alabama running back can get to the outside, can, can, you know, hit the holes up the middle, just all, all of the above in a running back. But Javante Williams is the guy that when I look at, I see a pro comparison and that's Nick Chubb. And if you look at how Nick Chubb's doing with the Browns and if that's any indication of how Javante Williams turns out, the Steelers are getting themselves a stud at 24. I definitely agree. And the crazy thing about it is, is he's also my running back one in this draft class. Um, I'm, uh, we didn't get the opportunity to kind of go through our running backs. However, I have him, Najee, Travis, Michael Carter, and then Trey Sermon. Uh, he was kind of like my next best because I, I watched him. Yeah, Trey. But I want to. I don't know if Sermon would have been my five, but he would have been my honorable mention for yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't. I, I just kind of put but him in there because I don't think there's a. On. I don't think there's a legitimate five at all. So I, I think it's four, and yeah. then there, there's just well, a pool. Ser- Sermon. Sermon made a name for himself as the season went on too. Yeah. I feel like. But it was I mean, also his, his, his first big year. Performance was. Yeah, I was just gonna say it was his yeah. first year in a new system, COVID riddle. He was right. in a position where he was kind of just having to scrape by behind Master Teague for a while, and then he just finally took over as the number right. one guy. But yeah, and his his Big Ten championship performance was was stellar. Yeah, I but, mean, on a stage like that to put up that performance. Yeah, he, it was crazy. It was great. But Javante Williams, I just want to give a few notes that I was able to um, kind of come away with when I was watching him. Um, I think he checks nearly all the boxes, as, as uh, Urban Meyer would say, in terms of him having the ball in his hands. 
Uh, he's able to produce momentum plays. Oh, um, he is, uh, he's consistently producing yards after contact. He's probably the toughest player to bring down the entire draft, entire draft pool. He doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires, similar to, you know, a Josh Jacobs who came out of Alabama as the number two, he got to split with Michael Carter. So, you know, it's in a different scenario than Jacobs, except he is, there's not a lot of mileage on him. So he's going to be able to really give yeah. the team that he uh, plays for, uh, in the NFL. He's going to be able to give him a lot early on. Um, I think that he knows how to share a backfield. So if they want to bring in another guy later on, he's able to do that. And overall, he's just, he plays with great ball car- carrier vision. He stays upright. He's able to kind of power through these, uh, uh, these, you know, wimpy tackles. And I think overall you're looking at someone who is going to kind of embrace the steel city, you know, kind of hard nose, uh, running style of the Pittsburgh Steelers and he's not going to try to run around you because at the end of the day his his you know he doesn't have that kind of elusiveness however he will get through you one you know if, if it's not this time he's going to get through you next time you better be ready when he comes through the hole so I, I really like that pick there great job yeah. great job um, yeah. round of applause for the Steelers GM there I really like that. So and that and that was a pick I was I knew I was going to go running back when the Steelers rolled around and I said I was ill-prepared, but that, that was a pick that I was prepared to make. Definitely. So Definitely. Here we are. I know what you're doing. Jacksonville here. Jaguars. What you're doing here. They, they have um, – the Jaguars last season, their secondary, you know, obviously C.J. Henderson was hurt. Uh, Sidney Jones was just getting there. He was trying to get acclimated to the team. Uh, Josh Jones turned out to be a project that failed at safety. Um, Gerard Wilson was able to do just as much as he was able to do because of the rest of the group. Um, they bring in a Rashawn, uh, Jenkins, they bring in, um, Shaquem Griffin or Shaquille Griffin. Yeah. Shaquille Griffin. And then yeah. they, CJ Henderson returns, Sidney Jones returns. They have, Trey, uh, Trey Herndon still, I think that if they are able to go out and get a safety to pair alongside Jenkins with, with, uh, Gerard Wilson in the back and then as well as Josh Jones kind of being rotational pieces, they're going to have a lot of fresh legs, fresh bodies that don't really see a drop off from one to the other. So I think because of that, they're going to go Trevon Moore. I got a TCU for the 25th pick. And the- I like that pick. And that that's a pick that I have had kind of penciled in for a while. Yeah. Uh, I got to read a lot about Trevon Moore a while back. And one of the things with him is he gets picks. Yes, he does. He's a ball. He gets hawk. picks. And, and the Jag safety group over these past few years has not gotten picks. Mm-hmm. And to bring a, to bring a ball hawking safety like that in there, I think he can make an immediate impact. I agree. hundred percent. Oh, was, I forgot my turn. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, you know, the, this team has made like so much improvement that I honestly don't really know what they even need to do here. Um, let's see, this is just one of those best available. Let's see, so best, yeah, best available here. And uh, I'm looking at team needs. Let's take a look at those interior defensive linemen. Let's see if there's anyone on there that that pops out. Um, <laughs> no, not really. I see the first name. Forty, and the fact that the 43rd best available is that maybe He's... wide receivers. Levi isn't terrible. He's, I think he's solid, but uh, I don't know. See, Ooh, uh, uh, I think I know what the Browns are doing at twenty six. All right, where are we doing? This guy is, this guy's going to continue to wear an orange helmet as he moves from college to NFL. Twenty six overall pick. The Browns are going speedster. Guy who can stretch the field, intermediate, 
routes, all the above. Kadarius Tony going to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, Kadarius Tony. I got to watch Baker Mayfield. Absolutely, I got to watch a lot of Kadarius Tony. Obviously at Florida, Um, he doesn't. I've never seen the overwhelming straight line speed, but his elusiveness, his his just ability to jump from uh, his lateral quickness, I should say, and just being a guy that can make you miss in a multitude of different, uh, you know, aspects. He, he, you know, challenges the laws of physics. He proves that, you know, ligaments don't exist in his body at, at points. He is honestly one of the better, uh, he's, he's one of the better players in this draft in terms of making people miss, at least at the college level. I'm not sure how it's going to exactly translate to the NFL. However, I do think that his versatility on the field is going to be something that any team that they get him, they're going to get a guy that is, he, he has continued to show progression while at Florida and he continues to bring that kind of hard work ethic to the table, despite some of the, you know, uh, you know, concerns, quote unquote, that uh, people have brought up that really aren't concerns in general, because if, if it's a locker room concern, he has proven that he is probably one of the most affable players, has one of the most affable personalities in the entire locker room at Florida. Everyone seems to rally around him. He brings a, he, he exudes a confidence in himself that not a lot of players, you know, uh, are, you're not, it's not manufactured either. You're not going to get someone that he's not, he's going to give you everything that he is a hundred percent all the time. And I think that anybody that gets Tony is going to get someone that they, you know, might be curious about at the beginning. And then at the end, they're going to, they're going to be like, okay, I, I can get behind this guy because he, he, he leads it all on the field. And I think that's something he did very, very well while at Florida. Yeah. And I, I think, I think the more weapons, the better. Yep. Uh, as Baker continues to, to progress through his career and uh, you know, the Browns are putting a good product on the field, but as you know, we saw when they walked into Kansas City last year, they just weren't quite able to put up the points that we had been accustomed to seeing them put up. And I got on the Browns a bit last year earlier for not putting points up on the board. And and they hit their stride late in the season. They carry that into the wild card round against Pittsburgh. But when they went on the road to Arrowhead in the divisional round, they stalled out a bit. And when uh, the Browns are going to find themselves in the playoffs for the foreseeable future, and when they go on road games to these tough places uh baker needs to be able to go anywhere on the field and i think Kadarius tony is one of those people that can provide that anywhere on the field security blanket i I just think his ability to get open and you know that like you said that maybe not that straight line speed but that elusiveness is something that will help out a younger quarterback against tougher defenses so definitely I, i i like the pick and if elijah moore were to sit down and watch the entire length of this show, he probably wouldn't be a big fan of me uh, because I've picked Rashad Bateman and Kadarius Tony over him. So yeah. Elijah Moore, look, it's nothing personal. I just, you know, these are, these are just the picks I'm going with. This is yeah. me being the GM, but it's nothing against him. And, you know, if he turns out to be, if he turns out to have an illustrious career, I just want everyone to thank me because I fueled the fire for Elijah Moore. I disrespected him. I passed on him twice and yeah well he's he's not gonna think, be very happy i think I, I think i'm playing a big role he's gonna be very gonna be happy with, you with my next pick because i'm gonna go get lamar a guy and Terrace marshall jr from lsu and is this a 100 genuine pick i think that they do need a guy not uh i think 
Elijah Moore, in my opinion, is the most talented wide receiver in this draft. However, I do think he falls simply because there's no real spot to put him. Tony is that kind of weird, you know, he's a slot guy. He's going to be able to do things that the Browns need him to do. And he's not going to challenge the targets of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. Terrace Marshall's that number one wide receiver that the Ravens are really looking for. And I think uh, because of that, Marshall goes, you know, Bateman, Tony, and Marshall all go ahead of him. And he's kind of sitting back like, okay, uh, what's going on here? That's obviously, that's just with those group. I, I, I will say, obviously, you got like the Jamar Chase and them. I, I know I said it in this entire draft. I just meant in the ones that we discussed um, in terms of yeah, Bateman, no, Tony, and Marshall. Sure. But as, I think this is a great spot for Marshall. It gives Lamar a chance to have that, you know, safety valve at times that he's lacked uh, heavily since getting to the NFL. And, and this frees up a possible – uh, kind of move for the Jaguars at 33, which plays a little bit into me. I'm kind of being greedy um, with with Marsh or with Moore. Hopefully, he can fall to 33 because I would love to have him in Jacksonville. But uh, as of right now, I do genuinely think that the Ravens would select Terrace Marshall Jr. over Elijah Moore. For sure, yeah, I I, I see no issue with that pick. Um, I think it's a good pick. So let's get the big board. I'm trying. Uh, for the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints are probably one of the most intriguing teams heading into this draft. It's kind of a shame they're picking so low because there are really a lot of different positions they can go here. Uh, you know, you just had Breeze let, uh, retire, and it seems like Winston's going to be the guy. Maybe they look at QB uh, maybe later in the draft. But there, there are certainly some things they can do here. But uh, with quarterback being a team need, Greg Newsom falling a bit, I'm going to go Greg Newsom to the Saints here. Nice. That's the pick. That's the pick I'm going to go with. Nice. Uh, it's good to see Newsom get off the board. Uh, you know, he's kind of yeah. fell a little bit, but they're able to bring together a, you know, a, a solid, uh, a solid core, I guess. Um, in there in New Orleans, he's able to kind of fill the spot that Janoris Jenkins leaves behind. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, we've hit, we've hit the wall. Yeah. We've hit the wall. I think that's – so it says that Green Bay needs off its tackle. And just because that's so – so here's my thought process behind this. Every single year we go in, we're saying, all right, this is the year that the Green Bay Packers go and get a wide receiver. They're going to give Aaron Rodgers that next player to be able to, you know, kind of combat uh, the, the focus that, you know, Devontae Adams has. He's going to be another player – to balance out however we never see it happen ever and Mm -hmm. i think it it's honestly i'd be i think aaron is pissed but i'd be pissed if i was aaron like hey are you guys not going to be able to you know kind of figure this out and get me another receiver that i can utilize to go win us some championships but i think this year this year is definitely not the year tevin jenkins from oklahoma state yet again pissing off rogers wow i think that they pass on elijah moore and they once again go in a direction where everyone's just kind of like, what are we doing? And so I was thinking you were going to say like Najee Harris or something. Cause the no. Packers can't, they, you know, they can't, they can use, they can use all the running backs. <laughs> they want get, um, get a Jamal Williams replacement. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they like their running backs, don't they? Uh, yep. I, I, and once again, this is just something that based off past history, I agree with, uh, I, you know, and Elijah Moore should be the play. He's dropped. It's kind of a match made in heaven. But, um, you know, the health of David Bakhtiari this past year and 
just some overall que- uh, Corey Lindsley leaving for the Chargers, just some overall questions on the offensive line. So while Packers fans will be disappointed that they didn't go wide receiver, I don't think offensive line is a terrible way to go either. Bro, can you imagine if they go draft like Kyle Trask? <laughs> <laughs> that would oh, be boy. so funny. Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> just uh, just on behalf of Packers fans, I just don't even want to think about it. Uh, yeah, Brooks. Anyways, Bills. We're looking at you. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Buffalo Bills, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Didn't get the job done last year at the running back position. They are going to go Najee Harris. They're oh, going to bring you. in a bruiser. To yes. accompany that Bills top-notch offense. That's really all I got to say. Najee Harris is a bruiser. He is going to be lethal in the NFL, and he's going to find himself in Buffalo, where Bills Mafia is going to love him. He is going to break through defensive lines like Bills fans break through tables and body parts. <laughs> That's my prediction for Najee Harris in Buffalo. Wow. I like it. I like it. So here we are yet again in a position with the Baltimore Ravens. I think, you know, obviously Orlando Brown leaving. I think they're in a position where they know they kind of have an idea of they want to get their replacement through the free agency, but they want to see who drops at, you know, to 31. Um, you know, with the, obviously they made the trade with Kansas City, who now has Orlando Brown, who have really done a great job at, you know, kind of rebuilding that offensive line for Patrick Mahomes after an abysmal uh, just Super Bowl. Uh, in terms of, you know, they, they had some injuries. They had some some guys that just weren't able to, you know, kind of really do anything. So I think it was a good uh, trade for both sides. Orlando Brown wanted to stick uh, with that left tackle spot, however, um, that, that Baltimore had other plans. So they shipped him out. Now they're looking at a, uh, a situation where they kind of need to get another one, get another guy that's able to come in and play that right tackle in general. So I think one thing that they could do is Samuel Kazi off of the tackle from Texas. He's the best available on the board. Is he going to be an instant playmaker or, or I wouldn't say play an instant uh, piece for them. It might take some time for him to get accustomed. There might be some growing pains. However, it's a young player. He's going to be able to make some moves um, on the offensive line. And I think that despite him not being atop their leaderboard, he's uh, in a position of need that they need to figure out. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to take him. There. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, especially with Orlando Brown leaving and, uh, you know, the Ravens being a run first team and Lamar kind of in a – I don't want to say a prove it year, but, like, stay afloat year, stay in his – stay where he is year in terms of the QB landscape of the NFL. Yeah. I think adding a good offensive tackle like that will help the Ravens overall. Moving on to the Bucs, uh, I think Tom Brady's terrible. I think the Bucs are screwed at the QB position, and because of it, I think they're going to go with Ian Book out of Notre Dame <laughs> to kind of end this mock draft on a high note. I think they need an actual good QB that wears number 12, not Tom Froddy. And obviously, Blaine Gabbert's not going to do anything. So pencil in Ian Book there to kind of trigger some Bucks fans as this show comes to a close. Are you serious? Um, you actually want to yeah, put down Ian Book? Why not? Why, why not? Actually, nah. is he not even on there? I thought, <laughs> He's oh, yeah, 405. Yeah. yeah, Ian Book. Ian Book. Actually, Austin Kendall. They're going to go Austin Kendall. No, I'm not. <laughs> right there. I'm not getting that. All right, but let's let's go to the big board, actually. I I, I just want to 
trigger some bucks, man. Bro, I almost clicked it too. I was like, please say never mind. <laughs> yeah, and really, like the Bucks have retained all twenty-two of their starters. There isn't really a bad pick for them to make, but um, I think that there is, and you know, it's weird because like what guy can they bring in that makes an immediate impact with their entire team returning? So every piece you bring in is really a depth move, right? Yes. Or a rotational move. So let's, let's go with, let's go with the Bucks secondary. I feel like if there's a weak link on the Bucks Mm, coming into the season, it was now the secondary got better as the year went on, Mm -hmm. but um, and, you know, you, you still have some in, inconsistencies in the secondary. Uh, you know, Jamel Dean is a guy who had moments, but also, you know, got burned a few times throughout the season. And uh, uh, they played well as a unit during the playoffs. But I, I think if there's any place on that defense that you might want to add some depth, let's go to the secondary. And let's go Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech. Gotcha. I think so. Because if that – if that buck secondary can become a no fly zone, they they just it will just be that much. Yeah, it, that, that be, much yeah. more lethal. I agree. I think overall we're looking at a position where the Bucks can really do anything they want. If they yeah. want to go uh, Vera Tucker, they can get him. If they want to go Jamin Davis, they can get him. Uh, you know, I think Jamin Davis might be solid. You have Levante David, who is kind of in a position where he is. He, you know, he might not be reaching the end of his career, but he is in a position where he can teach a young linebacker yeah. to, to do what he does. And so I think Jamin Davis could be a piece that they can rotate in and out. He would be a good sl- uh, slot in there, but I do understand the need, or I wouldn't say need, but just the, uh, the comfortability, comfortability aspect of going out and getting a, a Caleb Farley. Yeah. And I, I guess what I can say to kind of rebut myself is the Buck secondary is very young. Yes. So adding more youth, you know, more inexperience that, you know, that could be something that comes back to bite them. And I like your point with Levante David playing mentor, but once again, any move they make is really just going to be a depth move given they have all their starters back. So it's really interesting because it's something we haven't really seen before. Yeah. Um, But uh, was there a grade on there an overall draft grade? How do we do? How did it doesn't, um, so I don't, I don't think it gives over like a draft grade in general. Um, yeah, it doesn't give us a draft grade. It just kind of goes by like what we did. Um, True. So, but yeah, I think overall it's a, it's an under. I feel like there's nothing on there that I would heavily dispute. You know, from like there's nothing I would dispute that you made. There's obviously we had our discussions of oh maybe this player in this you know spot I would kind of lean towards whatever, but I think overall we both kind of were like oh I can see that like that's that's fine so. So yeah, our grades, no, I thought it was good. So it still took a bit, but obviously, it, it I thought it flowed a lot better than our yeah, mock draft from last year. Interactional, you know? uh, rather than like, yeah, yeah. So. And you know, we stole some players from each other, and yeah, uh, we yeah. threw in some surprising picks, and I thought we did a solid job with it. So definitely, um, I, I guess that about wraps it up. Absolutely. Uh, at this point, we just look forward to Trevor Lawrence's name being called and yes, going sir. from there. It's not really much working, else to do, right? Working from there, um, but yeah. So, do we maybe want to preview a future episode? We'll probably have a post draft. Yeah, somewhere. We'll probably, we'll probably somewhere have a post draft. We'll uh, kind of go through. I'd say 
we we take we'll, we'll take notable draft picks whether it's a surprising yeah. draft pick a draft pick we like a draft pick we don't like anything like that and we'll kind of give an overview of the drafts uh soon following i would say sometime uh early to mid next week uh, is when you're going to be able, we'll probably be able to do that so uh, be yeah. able to stay tuned uh obviously you guys just got a glimpse at the exact replica of how the draft's going to go because I know for a fact we did not get one pick wrong because we're just that good here at Sunshine State Takes. So I just want you guys yeah. to take in the fact that you just oh, witnessed. And we've, we've never been wrong about one no, thing. ever, ever. So yeah, it, it, it is what it is. Wrong. So we're just going to be yeah. able to uh, – Yeah, in, we're in, just the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, uh, also – Go ahead. Nah, it's, you're good, you're good. I was going to say that the first month of the MLB season is coming to a close. So maybe we can in a future show yes. touch on some points. Yes. I've been watching uh, a lot of John. At, at, Shout out John boy. Yeah. I am. I'm, I yeah. feel like I had a intellectual baseball conversation with someone the other day and I felt like I knew what I was talking about. It was about Tatis, yeah. but like, and, yeah. and obviously I follow Tatis heavily cause he's incredible. But the fact that I was able to have a knowledgeable uh, baseball talk with somebody else was it made me feel really good and i was like yeah. dang i'm actually now, becoming somewhat of a baseball fan and now tatis has been great since he's coming back from injury but those errors he's got to work on those errors but other than that he's mashing hey. he's mashing hey as long as he's hitting dingers i don't really care yeah yeah well uh <laughs> you know bad hey. defense is an issue but it is it hey. is however however but you can make up for it you can make up for it yes sir amen it's like in basketball the three is the ultimate equalizer yeah, oh, 100%. So, 100%. And uh, he'll, he'll have his defense cleaned up by July 19th anyways. Yeah, for sure. He'll have a figure. Sure. Oh, so, they don't know. We're going to see Tatis in person at Atlanta. Yeah, yeah we're going to go see Tatis. We're going to go see Acuna, Freddie yes. Freeman, Ozzy Alves, uh, Will Myers, Manny Machado, whole bunch of stars. Who's that? There? Will Isn't there another guy on uh, the Braves? There's a, there's like another big name on the Braves. Dansby Swanson. Swanson. Dansby. I, I just remember his Austin name. Riley. Yeah. yeah. The Braves got a whole bunch of guys. Dansby. I like that name. They're solid. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun time. Looking forward to it. Driving over to Atlanta. Yeah. Seeing that stadium is going to be a fun time. But uh, definitely. I think, I think we're good for the day. I do as Pretty well. long show. Probably one of our longer shows in a while. Longer shows. It's going to be our longest on YouTube. So you guys check out YouTube, but it's going to be the longest one that we've had. So just be prepared. Yeah. Oh, well, they, awesome. they've already watched it all. So they, they weren't prepared for it to – whatever. We'll just – Yeah. we're, we're going to see you all later. I'm tired. Hey, we, we produce, they watch, you know. Yes. So yes. They, they can uh, – they can – Hopefully we don't get any of that C brand twenty two coming in saying oh like, my oh, gosh. Yeah, what a, what a, well hey let's not talk bad about it because they no. gave us some press right that, and and C brand twenty two if you do we watch like C brand we like C-Brand. yeah thank you thank you for your press um so, sorry I didn't get everything about Paige Becker's right to no one's surprise I don't watch women's basketball that closely so that's that. But uh, Matt, you can't say it, that. Hey, we could have just not covered it. You can't say that. Matt. <laughs> we could have. Hey, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, because this 2021, and let it be, let it, let it be said, let let it be on record. 2021 was the first year that I watched more of the women's basketball national championship than I did the men's. Wow. So let 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 it be on record that that did happen. Yeah, I'm gonna. 
Nice. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave it there. So. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you all next time. All right. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening.